and welcome back to two guys one lightsaber for the last time me and ron will not be in the same room together we will be officially back together ron burgess how the fuck are you doing tonight dude i'm doing good michigan won Andor was amazing just it's a great time to be a star wars fan dude honestly it's <laughs> literally just a great time to be watching television in general, um, I was talking to you about yeah. before uh, Apple TV because I bought this MacBook, so I officially started using my three months of free subscription. I'm falling in love with it. Uh, I showed, I introduced you to Ted Lasso, which oh yeah, two episodes. I'm hooked. Yes, <laughs> it, fucking Roy Kent. Uh, <laughs> and now you see why I was so excited about him being Hercules. Now that's great casting. Yep. Uh, also, I've started a new uh, series I've been hearing a lot about. It's called All for Mankind. I highly recommend it, especially if you're interested in the Apollo program, uh, going to the moon, all this stuff. It's an alternate timeline where the Soviets land on the moon first. I've really loved it. And of course, people got to text me while I'm on air. So <laughs> I'm. it's very... And coming off of House of Dragons, which I know you want to do a podcast on, which once I'm back in yep. our area, I'm sure we'll do a whole episode on just our thoughts of the season on that. But yep. I got to see Wakanda Forever. Uh, last night, I w uh, went and saw it. And this movie, uh, this is going to be spoiler free, don't worry. It's a solid 8 out of 10. There, It was way too long. That is my biggest criticism about that. I love three-hour movies, but there were certain things where I thought it dragged. There was great world building in it. I love the culture aspect that they built, especially with Namor. Namor is fantastic in this movie. He is the definition of an anti-hero in Marvel, and I really love how they've done his character. Because just like Wakanda with Killmonger or not uh, Wakanda with Black Panther, what they did with Killmonger, they do the same thing with Namor and it, and it's, and it's way just like kind of the same thing. Namor's backstory is really great. I love how they handled um, the Chadwick Boseman thing. It was so beautifully well done. My issue was, was the finale. The final battle is a little lackluster. I have my issues of it. When I look at it from a strategic standpoint, it did not make a whole lot of sense. But overall, I love this coming back and taking Marvel serious. This felt like it would have belonged during the phase two of Marvel, if that makes sense, where they took it more serious. Like there wasn't jokes. Concept. There's jokes, but it's actual jokes. It's not like throwing it in your face. So I really do recommend that. And I can't I, I think we, we probably I'm going to go see it with you. I'm probably going to see this movie two more times in theaters. That's how much I liked it. That's how much I appreciate what they did with it. And I am ready for Marvel taking stuff way more serious, especially uh, before the trailer. They showed again Ant-Man uh, 3 trailer beforehand. And I'm, I'm feeling that the tone is going to get picked back up. And I hope Marvel goes back into taking it more serious. I hope so, too, because, I mean, it's uh, I don't know. We're kind of missing the I don't know, almost like flight or fight kind of thing. Where it's like, you, you you haven't had a big bad that's kind of threatening the universe kind of thing. No, it, so, and Namor, though, is a big bad. Like, he is a threat because how they explained, um, granted, they're not from Atlantis. They're um, Aztec Mayan descent, I believe they say in the um, movie. They're fucking badasses. And there's one thing I will say. They get back up. Like, I'm like, wow, these guys are getting taken down really quickly by a Glock. And then you see them rise up like fucking zombies after they get taken down. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, um, 
Yeah, that's kind of going to be an issue if they rise up. And God knows how many there are of them. They never really specify. And the city is beautiful as too. The underwater sequences are way better than Aquaman, in my opinion. Um, even though, again, they show uh, the Avatar 2 trailer before this. And I'm like, oh, wow, you guys' water shit looks terrible compared to Avatar. <laughs> But well, yeah, I mean, James Cameron, there's no competing with yeah, the technology the greatest, he uses in his films. The greatest technical director of all time, in my opinion. The guy literally makes everything look amazing. So I really recommend seeing Black Panther too. And we're definitely gonna do about that. And Ron's gonna finally see Black Adam and probably be disappointed. But let's get into yeah, what we're not gonna be disappointed to, um, or so far is the acolyte. Uh, the cast was officially announced this week as we get into this news. Uh, Ron, what do you think about this cast for Acolyte in the supposed, synop- uh, not supposed, but the synopsis of what this show is going to be? Are you excited for this now, coming off of Andor? This might be the most excited I've been for a uh, Star Wars show in a while, just because it's a timeline we don't know of. It's Sith-based. Carrie Ann Moss is in it, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I'm super excited for this. Um, the dark side is probably the most underutilized thing in Star Wars right now. Carrie on Mouse being added to the show has just been such a game changer to me because um, with them saying like that it's going to be a former Padawan meeting with their Jedi Master to like investigate what I believe is what they're saying, correct? Uh yeah, it's something like that. Well, um, I forget the I forget the synopsis. The synopsis came out a long time ago. So what I'm excited about though, with especially adding Daphne King, which everyone knows from uh Logan, where she played X23. Guess what? She's grown up, and it's super weird seeing her in makeup and stuff, and being like a full ass adult makes me feel old because that movie's like four years old now, going on five. Uh, <laughs> and you know she's been doing uh dark materials as well, but. I'm hoping that if uh, with them being like a, they're investigating, I hope Carrie Ann Mars is the Jedi Master and Daphne King is her apprentice, like former Padawan. I think that would be Oh, great. that'd be the perfect pairing. Ca- oh, yeah, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Carrie Ann Mars playing a Jedi Master who could be very Qui-Gon-ish because that's, I hope, that's what I kind of hope for. I hope she's like an open-minded Jedi, not one that's by the books. I think that would be very interesting. Also, the rest of the cast is um, Amanda Stenberg, and this is all from SawWars.com. Uh, Amanda Stenberg, uh, who is known for The Hate You Give. Uh, Emmy Award winner Jong Jae from Squid Game. Hell yes. Very awesome to see him in something outside of that. Yeah. Um, he was amazing. Granted, the voice, I watched it with the dub because uh, I, I, I can't watch a show watching subtitles the whole time. I just can't. It, it's weird for me. Uh, we are very different in that <laughs> i watch that with, with subtitles yeah. yeah because i i think the dub no one gets the emotion right so i'd rather read it and having the right expression of the words i agree but his facial expressions are what sold me on his acting during that show even with the dub with just his heartache and break and like he was, i i get that maybe i'll give it a rewatch with that just to get that opinion to see how it goes uh, moving forward, though, we got also Manny Jacinto from Nine Perfect Strangers, Never Watched, Daphne Keene, as we said. Uh, you got Jodie Turner-Smith, uh, Turner-Smith from Queen and Slim, 
Rebecca Henderson from Inventing Anna, Charlie Barnett, who is known for a great show I'm, I'm going to have to look up. It's called The Russian Doll. A lot of people seem to love that show as well, and then with Carrie Ann Moss finishing it. This show is now, I'm putting it in the Andor territory where I'm going to have high hopes for it. It doesn't mean I need it to be as an adult thing, but I hope we get to see something new in Star Wars by going back to the old. I hope this is the stepping stone to finally fucking get a Knights of the Old Republic show, and this is the pressure it has on it. And the cast diversity is what I'm loving as well, too. I just can't wait to see what they're going to be doing during all this and how dark it's going to go. And with it only being set 100 years before episode 1, maybe we get to see some dark Plagueis in this. Because Plagueis can age. He's an alien. We don't know how long his species lasts age-wise. So if we get to see Darth Plagueis, even a young Darth Plagueis with his master would be fucking amazing. Yeah, it would, and I believe his master's name is uh, Tenebris or Tenebus. I forget. I have the. I, be- I have the book. I believe he doesn't. He look like um the guys who are part of the uh the band in episode four and the uh, Katina uh can Cantina. Isn't that what his speech? Tenebus. Yeah, doesn't he look like them? I can't remember his thing, but I know uh, Plagueis is a mutt. Yeah, Plagueis is from, a like, mutt. The banking clan. Let me look this up. But is there anything you want to see or not see in this show, possibly? No, I need to see the Sith rising back to power. I have to see it because this is this is around the time where their grandmaster plan that Palpatine sees to fruition, this is where it starts. And I need to see it. And I am looking at Doth Tanipus. He's got a very cool look. He, yeah, he does look like um the alien species we've seen in the cantinas, the jazz band. Um, he's okay, uh, but he's got like a metal mask around his face and a metal body armor. This is what I'm looking from the Star Wars Legends continuity. Uh, this could be very cool if they do this right, and it'd be kind of cool to see. Maybe who knows how long the show is gonna last and how many years go by. Because we see Palpatine, Palpatine, I would want to guess, I don't know this officially because I'm not that big of a nerd. He's like, what, mid-30s, early 40s when we meet him in episode one, you would say, based off looks? Yeah, based off looks, I I would say so. So if this show goes, like, maybe halfway point, I don't know. But that is a possibility as well. But I kind of want to see what the New Republic is. I guarantee we're going to see a young Yoda. Not even a young Yoda. Yoda would be... Maybe seven hundred or eight hundred. Uh, yeah, like around eight hundred. This would be this would be Yoda in his prime. He is, I believe. I don't know if he's master of the count or like the head of the council, but he's on the council. At this he's point. definitely and up he's there with prime fighting. Shit. Yeah, he's definitely up there, and he's at least maybe a Mace Windu right now. I would say, because he says like nine hundred years old and Return of the Jedi, which is like twenty four, twenty five years after, um the rise of the sith so he's about 800 he's getting up there but yeah he's definitely still there and i can't wait well, well i know I, I teased it last time me and ron are going to do an in-depth thing with us living closer together now we'll probably end up doing more episodes together once in a while where we can cover multiple things because tales of jedis definitely showed yadel uh or yaddle yeah it's yaddle or yaddle yeah, Yaddle, uh, doesn't talk like Yoda. So I'm kind of more intrigued to see why Yoda talks a certain way he does, if he's that wise or if he's just a weirdo. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but 
that that's what I really want to talk about. And we're mainly here to talk about Andor episode nine and ten. Ron and like I said, we took the week off. It was Ron's thirty first birthday. He's an old man, so yeah, <laughs> we took the week off so he could have a nice birthday. So let's get into episodes nine and ten. We're gonna be interweaving both of them. Um, not in depth breakdown of whatnot, but these two episodes. Damn, Ron, I have never preached so hard. I'm loving the show. This isn't just great Star Wars. This is just great television. Do you agree? Oh, for sure. This is, honestly, I don't even, if you didn't know this was Star Wars, you might be able to get away with, like, not knowing that it even takes place in a Star Wars universe. This is just a good old-fashioned spy thriller, and it is, it's so good. And we're, like, getting, with episodes 9 and 10, you're getting the, like, uh, it, it's, like, one of those classic, like, prison breaks. You see everything start to coming to uh, fruition. You see everyone in the prison talking with each other, trying to come up with some kind of plan. And, oh my god, it is so good. Well, the main thing I'm loving about this show so far, um, especially with these two episodes, is just the slow building... It's not exposition dumps. The monologues are great for character. It's just not characters just talking just to talk. Everything has meaning. Um, one one thing I want to talk about is definitely cereal. Oh, cereal boy, as I like to refer to him as, because uh, he's always eating fucking cereal when we see him. <laughs> His scene with Dedra, uh, when he stopped there outside of that room, uh, outside of the IBS offices, and grabbed her arm and was like telling her like, "You gave me purpose." Like. I believe in this, and she's just kind of like off putted at first, but I think she's definitely kind of intrigued by him in a certain degree. Not in a good way, like in a good way, like that is off putting to us, but she's kind of like, huh, hmm. Because she, the way she goes into the office after they talk, and her second in command, by the way, is definitely like, now I feel like it's coming up on her ass. Like, hey, I, I'm just as hungry as you were before you got this position. I think she does like him a little bit. Well, it seems for sure that he really likes her. I think he's infatuated with her now. Um, yeah, I definitely think we still like Cyril has a role to play. And I cannot tell what that is yet. It's So maybe with this whole planning of... Uh, trying to catch Anton Krieger, mm -hmm. maybe this is where Cyril comes into play. Well, he, he, him and uh, Bix are the only ones that have seen, uh, Bix is the only one that has seen uh, Lucian in person. He's the one who has had contact with Andor in, in person. So definitely I feel like he's going to come into a, a factor when it comes to capturing one or both of them in her eyes. So that's why she's going to keep an eye on him. She, you know, she gave him a clean slate and let him try to rebuild his life and kind of warned him like, this is your last chance. You ever touch me again, you're done. But at the same time, she's definitely playing chess, but I'm worried that she's looking too forward and not covering her ass. And I know that's terrible to say because she is very seriously like she's a villain that I was rooting for at first. But now I'm like, oh, you're a bitch, especially the way she um, in episode nine interrogated Bix with oh, get, get, get him out of here, get him out of here. And then, you know her saying like don't bore me like those little moments makes me hate her and makes her such a great villain like she's on the tarkin level and i'm so curious how she gets her comeuppance because she does not exist afterwards so there's something that's gonna happen where her downfall is gonna like her arrogance 
is going to be her downfall in the show. And I can't wait to see how it plays out. I honestly, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, I've never heard of her up until this point. Never heard of Luthen until this point. These guys don't survive. <laughs> like, there's going to be some kind of huge fallout where Cassian is pretty much the only one to walk away at the end of this Andor show. And him, and I, I do love it. I didn't realize it, but Maushi in this show is in Rogue One as well. And we'll talk about that in episode 10 um, as well. But the little things, I, I'm seeing the rebellion get informed here. And it's that thing where Princess Leia said to talking, the tighter you hold your grip, more systems will fall through your uh, will fall through your fingers. This prison break, this prison right here now is giving a reason for people to rise. The more pressure you put on us, the more we want to rise. And seeing Andy Serkis as Kino get to that moment leading up to this where Cassian is hassling him to get the fuck out of here. How many guards? How many guards? And it takes Olaf dying. And that medic saying, the reason they killed those hundred people is because someone on a floor got rotated in this floor and told everyone, so they killed them. That moment of him just saying, no more than 12, I was just like, let's go. Let's go. Like, that was just like, yes. If you got him, a guy who was following the system because he only had 40 days left, 40 rotations left, and him realizing, like, I'm never leaving here. I've done everything by the book. Fuck them. Let's go. Yeah, I, I the, the I love Cassian just hassling him the whole episode to get involved. And then yeah, once uh what Olaf dies and he turns to the medic, like, what happened on, on two? That medic, by the like, way, <laughs> is Harry Potter's father. Fun fact. He played Harry Potter's dad in the Harry Potter movies. Fun fact. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. Nice. Um <laughs> and there was another actor. Um, I guess there's a lot of actors. I've never watched the show, but um, from HBO Max's um, Chernobyl series, miniseries, I guess there's a lot of actors in here. And I'm like, oh, of course, because it was made by Gilroy. Gilroy, I don't want every Star Wars show to be like this, but Tony Gilroy definitely had his mindset. Like, I'm not making a Star Wars show. I am making a spy thriller show. I am making my own show within the Star Wars universe. You know what I'm saying? This is what I think... Kathleen Kennedy was hoping to do with the sequel trilogy when she was like, all right, Abrams gets a movie, Ryan Johnson gets a movie, and Trevorrow gets a movie. You can't do that in the movies. you got to have one outlook like. But if you want to do TV shows, yes, definitely let the creatives, the showrunners, let them tell their stories in different ways and avenues to get into the Star Wars universe, but make it their own thing without it being constructed by the Star, like being held in these restrictions. But when you do movies, especially a trilogy, you've got to have a set plan and tone. This show definitely shows TV in Star Wars. I agree a lot with um, my favorite YouTube guy I told you about, Christian Harloff. This is where Star Wars can thrive, is doing different TV shows like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. This show feels so much like House of Cards seasons one through four, and I love it for that aspect. Because when I'm not on Andor, I'm invested in my Mothma, I'm invested in the Imperials, and I'm invested in Andor. There are certain things I want to keep going on because I'm a freak of Star Wars where I love seeing the Imperials talk <laughs> about stuff. Yep. And in my Mothma. But damn, dude, I, I can't keep gushing about this show. Yeah, uh, and you said uh, Gilroy made Chernobyl. And I think that's why he casted Stellan Skarsgård in this show. Because I'm pretty sure Stellan Skarsgård won 
uh, an award or two for his uh for his acting in Chernobyl. He was the main uh star of that show. Agreed. But no, it, and he honestly he's the star of this one. Uh, he's outshined Andrew. We'll get into that. Um let's kind of like wrap up episode 9. Um I kind of want to talk about the Mon Mothma scene and the what used to be the you know the Senate now it's Imperial Senate and New Rockstars pointed out and I didn't notice it that the center went from being like you know like the main place like had no symbol but when you look at it there's the Imperial logo logo now in the middle and you know like all the like pods have the symbol of the Empire on it I love her talking and all the lights dying off because this is so like imagine if Padme was alive during this her heart would break. She literally said, with thunderous applause, democracy has died. And you're seeing Mon Mothma, like, trying to, like, actually talk about issues. And everyone's just, like, saying, screw her, turning off their lights. Yeah, shouting, hail the Empire, yeah. <laughs> and her getting in trouble now, trying to, like, now she has to realize she has to get her hands dirty. She she has to, and she doesn't want to by trying to cover up her money. And I love it, like... You're seeing Mom Mothma finally slowly recognize what she has to do to make it thing. And the big thing that I didn't see coming is that Val is her cousin. How fucking right. awesome was that? Yeah, dude, that was... Uh, I did not see that coming at all. And I, I wonder how that relationship is going to come into play, if at all. It's, it's definitely going to play um, with her saying we took a vow together. Remember, you took a vow... Um, when she talked to him, like, you know, she's being nice to my mom's daughter and stuff. But I like how she is very gung-ho on what needs to be done. And then my mom telling her, like, hey, you got to play spoil girl, too. Like, she did the same thing as her girlfriend. Um, uh, I forget what the girl's name is. Centroid kind of said the same thing. You got to play rich girl for a little bit. Keep up appearances because you just disappeared for six months. And this job happens. So I'm very interested to see what that relationship is. But I'm expecting Mon Mothma to lose the most out of anyone. And not turn into um, Skarsgård's character. And that's what's going to make Mon Mothma probably my favorite character ever. She's going to be the noble hero that loses so much. But sticks to her convictions. And is constantly looking for ways not to kill everyone. Or constantly yeah, looking I, for death. I think she loses either her sister or cousin yeah, in cousin. Vale at some point yep. and and her relationship with her husband and her daughter because that's already fractured it, it's gonna break completely although there are a lot of people that think her husband possibly could be part of like a different rebellion uh, faction because you know they always talk about that i i don't think so i think he's too much of a douche nozzle to do that um but I do, I, I that would be a cool twist. That would be something very cool that maybe unifies them before. I There's no way they walk out alive. I really do think her whole family's either going to die or be strictly Empire going forward after this episode. I, I could see her uh, husband being in league with Saw. Possibly, like, yes. He's so, he's so good at playing the like political douchebag and making friends with all the wrong people that it would make so much sense that he's like saw's inside man yeah all right let's let's get into it let's get into possibly the episode i think finally because numbers have been so low i guess from like um social uh social media you know this this show is not something you can make a gif out of you know like mandalorian you're like there's not one-liners this isn't like pew pew cool things but 
this episode, One Way Out, episode 10, I really believe is what is going to turn the tide and make everyone binge this show that has been on the fence about it and get into it. Uh, one guy I went to uh, school with, he posted like, I don't know, like he, he said, I never wanted this show. I've seen enough about the rebellion. And I literally messaged him privately. I'm like, this show's not about the rebellion. This is so much more. This is not Rebels. This is a show that's about sacrifice and war. You you saw my post I tagged you in. This show is yeah. way much more than just a rebel show. This is a character story and it brings down the realism of Star Wars. Like, oh, I I, I one way out's my favorite episode of the season so far. By far. Oh, oh, for sure. This this contains now my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. Like it, we'll we'll get to it. That's what we have to end on Luthen. But yeah, this episode, the just the 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 prison break, Luthen, everything. This episode was fucking perfection in every way, shape, and form. And like you said, it's not it's not about the rebellion. The rebellion doesn't even it barely exists at this point in the show. This is how the empire is cracking down and how everyone gets so fed up that they have no choice but to rebel. The thing I liked about this episode is that there was still jumping on points. Uh, the mom Mothma scene kind of like go over that where she finally meet um, the uh, underground, the criminal banker. And he tried to game of Thrones her by saying like, Hey, I'll help you out. But your son, my son marries your daughter just like you. And the way she just mm-hmm. quit is like, no, get out. And him saying like, this is the most, this is the one untrue thing you've said where you won't think about it. And she's like, no, get out. Like, she's not going to subjugate her. She's not going to make that sacrifice on her daughter. Hey, you're going to marry into this dirty family so I can cover my ass. She's not willing to do that, which is very interesting to me, but also I respect it. So her morals, like I said, have not been compromised at all. And it makes so much sense for her character because she's not willing to go that extra step. She's not a radical like a Saul Guerrero or a Luthen. She's trying to do things by the books. And I think that is going to be the downfall of her household. And I love how the Empire won't let her decorate her own apartment. I find that very funny as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was crazy because she as in her uh as in her planet's customs she was married off as soon as she was of age to like it's an arranged marriage and that's exactly what this like dirty banker wants because he's from the same planet as Mon Mothma like hey like my da- my son your daughter never met before but let's betroth them right now they need to be married and then I'll hide your $400,000 by the way his name is Davo uh Skolden. That was the other thing, too, uh, was how all these characters in the show, um, John Campion brought it up, they all look like they were from the 77 Star Wars universe with the haircuts and looks. Yeah, they really Dude, do. That that sells it. That's what makes this show even... <laughs> like you see, yep. Now you kind of understand why Like I hate... like We both agree. Obi-Wan Kenobi, it was meant to be like a little cheesy. It's a fun story. There was instances... This is what Book of Boba Fett should have been. When I keep watching Andor, I'm like, why didn't you make Boba Fett like this? Like, realistic, down-to-earth, nitty-gritty, badass bounty hunter 
getting his hands dirty. That's why I wish this show that show would have been like this so much more. Well, yeah, it it didn't feel like a mobster show, and that's exactly what Boba Fett is. And they tried he to pitch it like that. They tried to pitch, and it was just because he sat at a table for like ten seconds all throughout the series and had one mob meeting and everyone's like oh it's gonna be a mob show and they showed it no it was like dances with wolves and they didn't know what the fuck they really wanted to make it as that show should have been less man and you know the only saving grace from that that season was the mandalorian episode in between (laughs) and now like you see why i kind of like hate on that show more and more as we go on from it like i liked it at first but now it's gone from like an eight out of ten for me like back to like a six yeah, I'd, out of what? How many episodes was it? Six, six or seven? I want to say maybe, but there, there's only three good yeah. ones. Yeah, and this show, I would say, this maybe one mediocre so far through ten at forty five yeah. minutes. Uh, again, I'm gonna quote another pundit that I love listening to, John Campier. This show feels like it could be on HBO Max. Oh, it has that tone for sure. Uh, it's, it, this is what, like, everything else was young adult novels, and now we got our adult novel. <laughs> That's what I feel about Andor. But let's get back into episode 10. Um, the prison break was so well crafted. So oh my god, it was so Sorry, folks, yeah. my voice got hoarse, and I need to go get water, so sorry for a little mix-up right there. Uh, so, the... Um, once we pick up after him, like telling him, and I love seeing um, Andy Serkis' character. He's definitely still struggling with going through it. Uh, Kino is not fully on board until like Cassian keeps pushing it. Like we got to do this, we got to do this, and then they finally tell him. They like announce to everyone that when they wake up in the morning, like. We're getting out of here pretty much. Like that speech was so goddamn well done. Like Andy Circus kills it, man. He's became Yeah. He he's more than action uh motion capture actor from you know Smeagol and Lord of the Rings to this. Holy crap. What what did you think about his character arc in that moment when he's telling everyone we're getting the fuck out of here? Oh, when they tell everyone what happened. Yes, so, yeah, Cassian just sitting there and, like, I, I, he's like, I'm not the one to do this. It has to be you. You're the one that has to tell them what's going on because they all know you. You've been here for God knows how long, how many years you've been here just doing your job. He's like, if they know that you know that there's no getting out. They will believe you. They don't know me well enough to even think that this is real. And just to see Andy Serkis's character just like, oh, he, he was fumbling at first. And even Cassian's like, really? That's all you have? That's all you got? Like, come well, on. Even, One even way out. We, <laughs> like, come even on. Before, it was so good. Even before we got to that, I'm talking about like when they woke up in the morning and he's just like, oh, yeah. You know, and him and Cassian's interaction when he's just like, get on program. And Cassian's like, no, like, you saw, you heard what they did. Like, come on. Like, him trying to fire him up, trying to find that urge. And you're seeing where Cassian is learning how to be a leader. And I'm getting fired up just even talking about it. Because where we see him at Rogue One, now it makes more fucking sense. It's making me understand yep. and or hating Jin. And where Jin is just like, 
it's not making me dislike Jin Erso, but now it makes me side with him more. And I can't wait. I'm holding off on rewatching Rogue One until this season is done. Because when I want to rewatch it, I want to see the full arc of this season. Yeah. Uh, you, you can hear it in my voice. I love this so fucking much, man. <laughs> I'm so passionate about this show. It's because it's exactly what Star Wars needs right now. It needs to get us older fans back invested into it after that bullshit sequel trilogy where one out of three movies fucking failed so many of us, especially the third one. To see this, it's making me want to see more grounded. I don't give a shit about the Jedi. I, I thought Star Wars always was about Jedis. This right here, it's Star Wars. I want to see the foot soldiers. I want to see how the rebellion is not just black and white against the this this definitely shows the grayness of what you have to do just like our um american revolution you gotta get your goddamn hands dirty you gotta to get your freedom back to fight back and this moment of them just talking and then going to work and oh them figuring it out and i love how everyone hid weapons down their sleeves especially cassie when they handed it to him when he goes to cut the water main line which i thought it was going to be like yep. a power supply but it being water made so much more sense and seeing every sacrifice once their prison break begins has a meaning from the guy who got electrocuted it short out the floor even though kino i think wanted to be that guy to do it like he was ready because he knew he couldn't swim that's yeah. very interesting to me. I think that was the other thing. He knew he was never going to come out of this alive. If he did survive or not, we never know. I hope he did. I, I like how they leave it open-ended. Maybe I don't think we'll see him again the rest of the season, but if he came back in season two, that would be great. But that prison sequence of them breaking down and like the guards just being overwhelmed was fucking awesome. Uh, everyone's death did matter in that breakout. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it, especially in the main room where Cassian was, like, you saw a lot of the people that he was on his team died. I think three of them ended up dying off of, like, his work table. And it, it was crazy because it's like they were all helping each other, too. It was no one was left behind. Everyone was climbing out. Everyone everyone had to work together in order to get it done the two guys who died from his table were bernock which was the guy who was climbing up on one side that gave cassian the opportunity to take out the one guard and double get a double kill like call of duty style and then uh the other one was zal uh the redhead um who kind of called out the other guy bissian i believe his name was if uh but the guy who was like kind of trembling that was the other one um that was like come on we gotta do this and once it happened once once shit hit the fan it hit the fan and i love seeing the guards just freaking out because there's 12 guards for seven floors that's like what 72 guards maybe to 48 to 5,000 inmates no there's yeah. no way the the structure isn't the guard base it's the system the electrocution that's what kept them safe it wasn't yep. the manpower. They don't have the manpower to hold these guys back, and you saw that. And it was so well-crafted. The action sequence, the pacing was so well done going up and down for it. And the claustrophobic nature of them going down the hallways and not knowing what's around the corner was brilliantly well done. Oh, yeah, they almost shot each other multiple times. And what was cool, too, is they 
even in the like the control room, they didn't kill those guys. They only killed one of them to kind of show they were serious, but they didn't kill anyone that they didn't actually have to. Well, yeah, that was definitely casting and looking at them like, nope, they did what they needed to do. I'm not going to be like them. Like, he'll kill when he needs to, but if he's like, no, these guys just like, it's it's not like they're not work. It is kind of like, no, you guys clearly just doing your job. You're just as oppressed as us because that's their, that's the empire. You, you know, think about it. What else are you going to do if you're a nobody in the universe? You're going to enlist, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. So that's what these guys did. And not, they, they're not the ones making the calls. And granted, you know, following orders, you know, we can get into the World War II discussion, but they're not, they're not all bad people in the Empire. Some of them do believe they are doing well, and these guards were just doing their goddamn job. Yep. And especially, they're not a threat once you take away the power and the communications. Like, once they took away the power to the floors, the guards are not a threat. We saw them all huddling in a pod together, sweating, hopefully, that, hoping that they're prisoners bypass their room and just walk by them don't go in there because they knew they were done they were done for these guys are full of rage and as you were talking about earlier was with Kino's speech say pick each other up you see someone falling pick them up we are getting out of here one way out and it's Andy Circus's delivery that growl and deep tone and God rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. But that was like a Kevin Conroy Batman speech. Oh, for with sure. With the gravitas of it. And I loved every second of it. Like, I work from 7 to 6, Monday, uh, Sunday through Thursday, right? When mm. If you can get me pumped up after busting my ass off for 10 to 12 hours at 6 a.m. to watch an episode, because I watch this stuff immediately after work, just decompress... I was ready to go, dude. I was ready to go to the gym. I'm like, I'm fired up. And that speech did it for me. But damn, I I, I, I could talk about this for hours. Like, I've reached out to multiple people that we know and would love and talk to about this stuff. And it's just like, yes, this is hitting exactly every tick in the box of what we've wanted from Star Wars. 100%. And... And uh, Star Wars has been lacking that, oh, just like the character development. It's been lacking that since the original trilogy. And I mean, it honestly, I think I've I think I like Andy Serkis's character and uh, and Cassian and Luthen more than I like a lot of characters in Star Wars just because of how good their one the roles are acted and two how just good the character development is right exactly what you're saying right there is character development the thing that lacked in the prequel i would have loved to see how imagine and i know uh john boyega said don't disney plus me i would have loved to see boyega's character gone through something like this instead of it being just quick like you know what I'm saying? Like how it was so quickly done of him flipping sides. I wish we could have seen more of yeah. him getting invested in the rebellion, seeing more of the universe, seeing more of what they could have done, especially in um, Rise of Skywalker when he runs across all those other stormtroopers that defected. It's them realizing it's all bullshit, especially with them being kidnapped children. 
if anyone would have had more rage than anyone to fight the First Order, those people would have, because they lost their whole family. Especially that one girl being yep. the daughter of Lando. Like, holy shit, like, come on. And this is so well done to the point where I'm curious, like, where we keep going in Star Wars, we keep filling in these spots, um, these blank spots, they're gonna, they're gonna run out of timeline to where they're gonna have to push forward to a new threat, and I can't wait to see where they go with this, because of this show, why do we keep having, like, all these conflicts going on? Dude, I even want to see behind the scenes of the Separatists now, especially after we saw Count Dooku in the Tales of Jedi, like, I'm loving this gray area that this show keeps going forward into the Star Wars universe. It's not black and white. And I love it for that. Not everyone is yeah, sold we- on the rebellion, especially that douchebag that tried to take all their credits for himself. <laughs> right. I mean, it, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really cool to see how the separatists came to uh, want to defect mm-hmm. and uh, to see how like they thought the democracy that, was in place was failing them. well the separatists when you look at it are to a certain degree gray grayish are good guys when you look at the prequel trilogy now yeah it, it, it's kind of crazy to think about it like that to a certain degree but let's get into what i know you want to talk about <laughs> oh yeah the greatest speech since bill pullman and in independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> well even um did you expect that empire um uh do you have his name off uh hand real quick or no uh hang on let me uh what's his name because he Uh, just seeing him kind of react because when we get introduced to him as you're looking him up we um we we only get like one scene of the empire lonnie lonnie it's deidre's right hand man yeah we kind of see uh when deidre's like saying oh yeah they died of suffocation let's lure them in and kind of take him out. You kind of see him kind of like freaking out. Not freaking out, but like you kind of definitely see like a tone in his, his character spot. Like he definitely changes posture where he's like, fuck. I like, okay, I'm going to give this information. And I'm going to try and save these guys. And now I'm out. Like I have a family now. I am done. But the spy thing was so great of him entering the elevator. It was right out of Jason Bourne. It was definitely a Bourne moment of like, putting the earpiece yeah. in saying like hey we're alone let's talk and like the whole talking and then when the doors open and luthan just standing there like a badass and oh ron i'll let you talk about it i know you i i'm gonna give you the floor right now go for it <laughs> well yeah just uh lonnie's saying like he's got a new child that's just been born and he's been he's been undercover for so long i think like it makes it seem like he's been undercover for at least three to four years at this point and yeah luthan's like lonnie i need all the heroes i can get right now like you can't get out and lonnie's just not having it and it's like yeah he's like what have you sacrificed like to lonnie this guy's just an old man he has nothing to lose when even like Luthen's like, I got everything to lose. He's like, I'm sacrificing everything for a sunrise I will never see. And just his two-minute speech honestly fucking gives me chills. Oh my god. I, I wish we could play it on here, but oh the speech is absolutely incredible. And if Lonnie doesn't just stay put and stay undercover, 
Like, I'll go and shoot Lonnie myself. I'll just do it right here. I'm not going to give it any justice on delivery, but I'll do it for you because it's kind of funny. A lot of, because, uh, you know, John Campier and Christian Harloff, they all, you know, they have friends in the industry that are like working actors and stuff. So they all made yeah. the joke, uh, especially if you watch Barry, uh, a lot of acting classes, they make you do monologue scenes. And now they joked around like every guy who's trying or girl being an actor, they're going to give this speech as part of their monologue. So here we go. Um, calmness, kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all a chance at inner peace. I've made my mind up, my mind a sunless space. I shared my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago, which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there is no escape. I've yearned to be a savior in justice without contemplating the cost. By the time I look down, there is no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is? What is my sacrifice? I've condemned to use the tools of my enemies to defeat them. I've burned my decency for someone else's future. I've burned my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. That's my favorite line, by the way. No, yep. the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. That line, God, <laughs> I burned my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see, hit me so hard yep. the second time I rewatched this. And to the point where like, I've always wanted to get a Star Wars tattoo, right? I already know, I think I'm gonna get the Andor opening like, you know, the Rebellion logo. And I'm going to have yeah. that line tattooed underneath it. I already know it. I'll burn to make a sunrise <laughs> that I never know. I'll never see. That God. definitely shows the difference <laughs> between him and Saw. Because yeah. Saw is just fighting because of personal reasons while Luthen is fighting for the greater good. He's willing to be that guy who lays across the tripwire, like Cap says to Tony in uh, Avengers. Yep. And he has nothing to fucking lose. And I love it. And uh, he, it's crazy because he said he's had this, like, this uh, all concocted for 15 years. And he's already old at this point. He, like, he, he knows, and we all know just from watching, like, he will never get to see, like, actual peace in the galaxy i could definitely see a luthan house of dragon spinoff series because now i want yes to see if, if he survives season one which i really do think he's going to possibly i'm giving it like 65 percent chance he survives season one going into season two i think it's a hundred percent chance they cannot move on without selling Sk yeah, yeah i agree he's got when he died like him and andor got to meet up and when he dies he dies yes Yep. But if they do in season two, I need a, a, a pocket episode of Luthen's backstory. I want to see why he's so invested in this. Why does he hate the yes. Empire so much? What made him get to this breaking point? Because we know why um, everyone else has so far. And we're building it for Andor. And that's the thing I also love about this. Andor did not join the Rebellion just because he hated the Empire. He joined it because of a job and he had his back against the wall, but we're close. We're seeing why he is so passionate about it. We're seeing yeah. why 
in Rogue One, again, he gets so pissed at Jin and he makes that speech to her and they make that final push. Dude, I just love this. <laughs> like, I literally, yeah. I could do a whole pack. I wish I could do a whole show just on Andor himself. And I w- I can't wait to hear Dan- Daniel Luega talk about this show more and more as we go on. Like, in the interviews and stuff and... Oh God! If we, if I ever got a chance to like sit in room with him for like five minutes and a fifth of Jack, I would <laughs> love to talk about like why he's so invested in this character and what his mindset was every time he read lines for this character, because he is right. he sold it on this. We we talked about like Andor. Oh, that would be cool. The show has been the best from that Disney announcement from like two years ago. This has been the best Star Wars, and I love Mandalorian. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this show is better than the Mandalorian. It's different than the Mandalorian. Yeah, completely different. The Mandalorian is what you watch with your friends and your family, a casual 30-minute thing. And I hope this puts pressure on Mandalorian to make episodes fucking longer. Don't cut things out. Try yeah. and make it longer without making it stupid long, where like a lot of scenes don't make sense. But I'm sorry. I'm cool with waiting a week for this 30, I think the short, I think this was the shortest episode at like 38 minutes, but it felt 45. You know what I'm uh, saying? Yeah. Dude, this felt like a whole movie. So much happened in this episode. You could and say that about every show, like all these three episode arcs. The fact, the yeah. way they did it was beautiful. It's not just week to week, do the mission, collect your new gear, move on. <laughs> like the yep. Mandalorian. This is literally a three-story arc. Every episode, they keep building characters, and every scene matters. There's ripple effects, just like Game of Thrones and House of Cards, and etc., etc. You can make comparisons all day. This is nailing it on all those fucking points. And what's crazy, too, is like it, when, when this first came out, when they released the first two episodes, I was the first one to say, like, okay, this is really slow for me. I'm like I am I I like Cassian but like I feel like nothing of importance has happened yet and now I've done a complete 180 where this is my favorite Star Wars thing to date. This is bu- and oh, Keaton. It's crazy. Oh uh, no, that's that, that was it. It's like I I Star Wars has never got me to flip completely on a on a like point, like on a certain like on anything that they've done. They have not made me like go from hating to loving it in a matter of an episode well the main thing but until now i will say this though it's made me very intrigued to how the season's gonna conclude because it's gonna end with the freeing of ferrix or at least a rebellion to act on ferrix we saw it with his one friend who took down the one empire thing and now they're being oppressed more um you got you know the mom's not taking the medication so where do you think casting's gonna go we saw him running into fields with uh Although I, I'm very intrigued to see how they get off. You know, Kino can't swim, which was heartbreaking. And I hope uh, yeah, somebody fucking grabbed him and just carried him along. Because <laughs> right. I think he definitely needs to be around and die in season two. Because, you know, he's not around after that. Because he would have been on um, in Rogue One, I really do believe. He's definitely, like, a leader. And definitely would have been there with Cassian leading the fucking charge. Hindsight being 2020. <laughs> um yeah and this has been his redemption redemption for snoke like no we didn't give you enough for that uh the cool thing i'm really looking forward to though is just like how like ferrix and rise of rebellion and somebody pointed out that like the orange and the white 
of the uniforms is symbolized of the uh, rebellion uniform. So like these prisoners, mm-hmm. like how many of these prisoners, 5,000 men, how many of these men are able or willing to join the rebellion that survived this? Like these, this, th- Ron, we, we watched Battle of the Bastards to get uh, on Game of Thrones. We know how mm-hmm. many, like, hey, if you get 3,000 foot soldiers, that's a big fucking deal. Yeah. And these men are all fighting for cars and believing it. That would be really cool if this is like the backbone of the rebellion was this outbreak of the prison and them spreading the message because people in the it's always gal um uh galaxy don't know what the fuck is going on with this shit so mm-hmm. uh, i could gush about this all day i really could yeah <laughs> like i'm so i can't wait for us to be in person again to, together and you know i'm gonna have to re- edit two hour episodes because it's gonna be way <laughs> worse in person but i'm so happy that at least I've convinced multiple people to watch this show and everyone that has I've convinced them to are starting to like it more and more. And uh is there anything you want to say before we head out? Uh I don't think I've ever been this excited for a finale. Like I really I, I really want to know what happens here and uh like what we're missing too is like uh we mentioned earlier in the show, like the setup of Anton Krieger. Like Luthen flat out said, I'm giving Krieger over to the uh, the Empire. So I wonder if the Empire is actually going to be able to capture Krieger and get what information they will get out of him. I wonder if that's how this season's going to end. Is he's going to spill the yep. beans on something huge? Yep, I agree. And I like how Melchi, by the way, that was the guy who survived with Andor. Um, I saw it from New Rockstars, him being on the beachfront. Now it's going to make Rogue One way more better th- to me as well. Yeah. Isn't that kind of cool as shit? Like, that's how yeah. why Melshi's right there with Andor, like, willing to go. Yep. Oh, fuck, I can't wait to... Re- I think we're going to have to rewatch <laughs> Rogue One Rogue One together in person and then do a podcast after it. Uh, dude, you're going to be living 10 minutes away. We can do Yeah, <laughs> and you saw my new setup, thankfully, to my landlord slash good friend, you know, surround sound, <laughs> seventy inch television in the basement, black light. Oh, I can't wait to rewatch this with you. We'll probably get him on board too, because I've gotten him very intrigued by this show as well. But that being said, be sure to follow us at two guys one lightsaber at facebook.com and be sure to leave us that five star rating on Spotify and Apple as well. We always appreciate it. Get our numbers up and we wanna build this community going forward. A lot of shit's about to change. A lot more shows are probably going to happen. Um, even though we call this show Two Guys, One Lightsaber, there's probably going to be more than two guys and one lightsaber going forward. And I'm very excited going into 2023 because Andor has inspired me, just like the prison guards, to keep building this show. And I am glad that you all keep listening to us. I'm very appreciative of it of this. And as always, I'm your host, Mike Pandoff. And I'm Ron Burgess. Take it easy, y'all.